0: When I survey the wondrous cross on which the prince of glory died, my riches gain, I count but loss, and poor contempt on all my pride. Hallelujah Lord. Yes, the message of the cross. It's the center of Christianity. Without this doctrine, there is no Christianity. And I think when we get the right view on the work of the cross, we'll get the right view on anything to do with our faith. Everything to do with our faith, we'll get it right. So it's time we get to know what the Bible teaches about the work of the cross and why. Because many today are denying it. Many don't want to talk about it. So thank you for being with me. I pray the Lord today will use this to bless you, enrich you, strengthen you, Make you bold in the faith in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray today, bless your people through this teaching. Establish your people through this teaching. Glorify your name, wonderful Lord Jesus, through this wonderful word. In Jesus' holy name and God's people said, Amen. So, the Bible teaches plainly the absolute necessity importance of the death of the Lord Jesus, because without it, there is no faith, and the shedding of his blood. The Bible puts the emphasis on the Lord's death and resurrection, and I said this to you yesterday. The death of the Lord Jesus is mentioned 175 times just in the New Testament, and so many more times in the Old Covenant. And and I said, and I want to repeat, what catches the attention of the prophets? What caught the attention of the prophets in the Old Covenant? Why did Elijah and Moses come to talk to the Lord on the Mount of Transfiguration? What did they talk about? The work of the cross. It says so in Luke. Let's look at it one more time. And the Bible has a lot to say about this. And then today I'm going to continue teaching on the purpose of the work of the cross. So in verse 30 of Luke 9, and behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, or Elijah, who appeared in glory and spake of his decease or his death on the cross, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. And the Bible tells us in 1 Peter that what the prophets of old they wanted to search one thing and one thing only the work of the cross the death of the, of the lord his resurrection look at first peter and today you know like i said yesterday people talk about the lord's life the lord's character the lord's teachings his miracles but very few talk about the cross while the cross is the heart of the faith first peter chapter 1 verse 10 of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you. Watch this, searching what or what manner of time the spirit of Christ, which was in them did signify when he, the Holy Spirit testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. That's the work of the cross and the glory that should follow. That's the resurrection unto whom it was revealed, and then it says, that not unto themselves only, but unto us, they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel, unto you with the Holy Ghost, sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. What captures the attention of the angels? The cross. What are the songs in in heaven? What do they sing about in glory? the work of the cross in Revelation five, eight through 12, they sing about the cross. And today people are not singing about the cross on earth. And anyone who doesn't sing about the cross on earth will never make heaven to sing about the cross in heaven. The Bible is clear that the songs of heaven are about the cross. Revelation 5, verse 8, And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of orders, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for Thou wast slain and has redeemed us to God by Thy blood. Out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nations. What did he sing about? The cross. Today, hardly nobody is singing about the cross on earth. But they do in heaven. And anyone who sings about the cross on earth will sing about the cross in heaven. And anyone who doesn't sing about the cross on earth will not sing about the cross in heaven. They'll never make heaven. Now, the purpose. That's what we began talking about yesterday. Dear Jesus, I give you the praise. The purpose of the death of Jesus. For what purpose did he die? Well, first of all, the Bible clearly says, and repeats it, that the Lord Jesus died and offered his life as an offering for sin. That is that he, an absolutely perfect, righteous, holy God, who lives forevermore, who is life eternal himself, died in the place of unjust men, died in the place of sinners, we who deserved to die, he died for us. He who deserves to live uh, died for those who deserve to die. And we saw from Isaiah 53, verse 5, 53, verse 8, 53, 11 and 12 about that. He died for others. He took the sins of others. Then 1 Peter, let's go back to it because this is what we stopped yesterday. First Peter chapter three and verse eighteen I want to bring that message back let's bring the cross back Saints we need it we need it for Christ also has once suffered for sins first peter 3 eighteen the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the spirit first peter two twenty four Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb of God, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye are healed. What else? Matthew 20. Thank you, Lord, for your wonderful love. And verse 28, and I'm showing you the purpose of the cross. Why? Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. We are told that he died as a ransom. That, that is, his death was the price paid to redeem others from death. That's what it says right here. Even as the Son of Man came not to be, to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many to redeem you and I from death. This is not all. Look at Isaiah 53. Oh, there is so much in the word of God about the purpose. Why did Jesus die? Isaiah 53 verse 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. Also, we are told clearly, he died as a sin offering, right here. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. A sin offering. In the Old Covenant, in Leviticus 6 6 and 7, we see there the sin offering was the death of a sacrificial animal or a victim on the ground on which pardon was offered to that sinner in the old covenant. So Jesus is our sin offering. So when the Bible talks about that he was made sin for us, it didn't mean that he ceased to be God or he ceased to be holy, no it meant that he who is holy became a sin offering, a sin offering. Today people have kind of said things they shouldn't say about what the Lord did on the cross. So he did not become sin, he was made sin for us. In other words, he did not leave being God on the cross. He did not leave being holy on the cross, so he was still the sinless Lord, holy God on the cross. And he took upon him our sins, meaning he became the sin offering. He who is holy and pure and righteous, God Almighty on the cross became the sin offering. I always loved, what Billy Graham used to say, God in the person of Jesus Christ died on that cross. God in the person of Jesus Christ. So he didn't cease to be God. That's very, very important. So um, now, number four. Number four, the word of God also says that the Lord Jesus died as a propitiation for our sins. That is to say, through the shedding of his blood, the holy wrath of God, was appeased and placed on him. Let's go to 1 John, 1 John 4, 1 John chapter 4. There's so much in the Bible about this, about the purpose of Calvary. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And Romans chapter three, and propitiation means substitution. He became our substitute. He took our place. Romans 3 and verse 25 and 26, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith. Again, that word propitiation means mercy seat, our substitution through faith. And that's what the word mercy seat means, by the way, propitiation, substitution, through faith in his blood to declare to declare his righteousness. So the Lord became our mercy seat on that cross, our substitute, our propitiation. It says, for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. And then verse 26, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness that he might be just and the justified of him which believeth in Jesus. So the wrath of God came upon him, see, he became our substitute, our lawful substitute. Uh, Isaiah also mentions this in Isaiah fifty-three and verse and verse six that says, All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him, laid on him the iniquity of us all. All right. So that means, and by the way, that that word laid on him means in Hebrew, has made to strike. Made to strike, he was struck, (coughs) laid on him. He was struck with our and for our iniquities. Hallelujah. Number five, the word of God also teaches that the Lord Jesus died to redeem us from the curse of the law. So why the cross? Because we were redeemed from the curse of the law. Galatians three. Thank you Lord, I pray This is blessing you like I'm being blessed, just teaching it today to you. Galatians 3.10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, cursed is, is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified by the law in the Son of God, it is evident that just shall live by faith. But here we see he took the curse upon himself. Thank you, Lord. And then verse 13 of that same chapter, it says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. We are the ones that broke the law because it says, cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the law. But in verse 13, he redeemed us from the curse of the law, that, cur- that curse that was placed in the Old Covenant, being made a curse for us, for it is written, "Cursed is everyone who hangs on that, on a tree, and the Lord hung on that cross for you and me. So we broke the law. We were under the curse. And on our behalf, he took upon him our curse. And I wanna cry out hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Blessed be the name of Jesus forever. The Bible also tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter five, let's go to it please. And I I pray you're all writing these scriptures down and verse seven, it says, Purge out therefore the old leaven that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened for even Christ our Passover is sacrifice for us. So here the Bible tells us Jesus became our Passover. That God would pass over us. That God would spare us. That's what the Passover really means. So what does the Passover signify? Well, let's go to Exodus 12 and see what it means to be passed over. Okay, so we would not be judged. We would not. All right, let's go to Exodus 12 and verse 12 and verse 12 and 13. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beasts. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to to destroy you. And that plague means sin. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when when I smite the land of Egypt. So here we see that God Almighty would pass over us. He would spare us because of the work of Calvary. And then in verse 23, again, of the same chapter, Exodus 12, 23, for the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer or allow the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. Jesus is our Passover. It means that the shed blood of our precious Lord serves as the ground and the only ground that God passes over us and spares us. So in verse 12, we, we see through the blood. Let's go back to verse 12 of chapter 12. And I want to point one thing out to you, really powerful. When I will pass through the land of Egypt, this night will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both men and beasts, and against all the gods of Egypt, which, which means principalities and powers are destroyed by the power of the blood. That's what it means by the gods of Egypt, the gods of the world, those principalities and powers. The blood destroys those principalities and destroys to this day and destroyed you know, already. And it says, no sin, no plague, no plague will come to smite you, meaning no sin, no sin. That verse 12 says the same thing. Then in verse 23, it says that the enemy, Satan, can no longer touch you, no longer touch you. Why? Because of the power of the blood that has cleansed you. And I will not suffer. I won't allow the destroyer to come in unto your houses to smite you. Now, let's look at First John. First John. There is so much in the word, you know. It's really remarkable how much is in the Bible about this. And that's chapter 2, 1 John 2 and verse 2. And it says this, And he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So here we see something wonderful. The Bible plainly teaches that the death death of our Lord Jesus provides the basis upon which God can deal in mercy with us and the whole world. So all of God's dealings in mercy with any man are on the ground of the work of the cross. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So God deals in mercy with us and with the world through the cross when we accept the work of Calvary. It is the only ground that God would accept. So only on the ground of Christ's death, only on the ground of the Lord's death, God deals in mercy with any one of us. Now, let's look at Romans chapter five. And let's read Romans five, and let's read verse 18 and verse 19. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification. For as by one's man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. So here we see that the death of the Lord um not only is the only ground God deals with us on, but it says here something powerful. That all men will, will obtain resurrection because of the death of Jesus. That our resurrection comes as a result of the Lord. Therefore, let me reread verse 18 and 19. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, meaning the Lord, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life, resurrection, life. Adam brought death. Jesus, by his death, gives life. Adam, by his sin, brought death. Jesus, by his death, gives us life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, shall many be made righteous. Meaning, everlasting life. Made righteous. So, this is so powerful. And then in In 1 Corinthians, this is the last portion I'll give you for today. 1 Corinthians 15, and verse 22, and verse 22, it says this. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. So, because of the death of the Lord, we will be raised not only to newness of life, but even from the dead. And Paul is clearly speaking about the resurrection of the body, not just life eternal, but here very clearly, he talks about the physical resurrection of our body. That's awesome. In verse 22, for as an Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And, and look at, uh, just quickly, Genesis 3, 19. This is really magnificent. Lord, I give you praise for all this. I give you praise for all this. To you be the glory. Wow. So here here, here we see that physically, you know, Adam, lost his life physically. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it was thou taken, for dust thou art, unto dust thou shalt return. So because of disobedience, Adam lost his life physically. Now the second Adam obtains resurrection for us from the dead. Because of the work of the cross. Not only did he rise, but we shall rise also. So sinners. Wow. You know, let's let's quickly go back to First Corinthians 50 uh, 15. I want to show you something that I really need to show you again. For as in Adam all die. All died because of Adam even so in Christ shall all be made alive. All means all sinners and all saints. The difference is the resurrection. Uh, So we, all of us who accept the message of Calvary, will experience the resurrection of our body. It's not about good deeds. It's about faith in the death of Jesus faith in his resurrection. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Hallelujah. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray you'll bless your people with it. Magnify your name in their life. Strengthen them in the faith in the glorious name of your son, Jesus. Amen, amen. And the reason I've brought these teachings to you yesterday and today because so so many are denying the atonement. They talk about other things. Many pastors said, Lee, don't even want to talk about the blood and the cross and the work of Calvary because they think they can offend people. No, no, we need to speak it clearly and loudly. And if people get, get offended, let them be offended. Our duty is to proclaim the gospel clearly and powerfully. And God will use his word to touch the hearts of men and women who listen to his word and draw them unto himself. If I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. The cross does not cause men to walk away. It causes men to come close if they can hear the clear message. The promise is we're not telling them. Many are not telling them I am, you are. But many are not telling them thinking they're going to offend them. No, you'll not offend them. You will actually bring salvation to their life and their souls. So let's do it. Let's proclaim it from the housetops. And God's people said, Amen and Amen. I'll bring another teaching down, down the road a little more about this because I want to keep it in front of you. The work of the cross. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, again. Bless your people and use them mightily in these last days. Amen. All right, it's time to give to the work of of the Lord. I told you yesterday, we're upgrading the studio I'm in. Because we need to extend this thing here all the way around, because there's nothing on this side. We fixed all this and behind me, but nothing on my right. So we're going to go this way. So I can now not have to sit down all all the time. I can walk around. I can have another screen over here on the right side and we're going to have to change some lights. So I want to be able to walk around. I want to put a nice couch here. I want to be able to get you know, this you know, out so I can walk and teach and walk about. It's going to cost a little money, but let's do it right. And then I'll, I'm planning on doing a monthly Zoom meeting with, with you who want it, where I can not only minister the Word. I'm going to have a beautiful instrument here too where someone can sit and, and play music. We can have beautiful worship together. And I want to minister to you and then have like feedback from you back and forth. That will be monthly on Zoom for anyone who wants to be a part. I'll be sending also a weekly teaching on email and so on. So help me pay f- for this, but it's time to give to the Lord's work. So God can bless you and God can protect you and your tomorrow and your children's tomorrow. So you can show right now on the platform you'll watch me on. Or you can go to our website, benhind.org Or you can text bhm four five seven seven, seven, and join us this December 3rd as we celebrate 48 years in ministry. Plus, I turned 70, and it's also Christmas. So we're gonna have three celebrations in one night. Rich Carlton, Mm -hmm. Dallas, Texas, December 3rd at 7 p.m. A fantastic night of worship, music, and so much more. And a great dinner, four-course dinner, you're gonna love it. First class, first class all the way. Mm -hmm. So go to our website and register today. Tickets are going fast, but I want you to be there with me. Dallas, Texas, December 3rd, 7 p.m., ritz Colton, downtown Dallas. All right, much love. I'll see you tomorrow. Another glorious time tomorrow. I promise you. Bye-bye.